You're listening to Paranormal Portal on Revolver Podcasts. Everybody and welcome to the Paranormal Portal Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Thomas. Uh, I am here to tell you we've got a great show lined up for you today. But before I go any further, let me just remind you, if you have a paranormal stories or experiences of your own that you'd like to share, we'd love to have you as a guest on our show. So please email me at paranormalportalradio at gmail.com. And we'll get in touch with you and get you on the show. Um, we have a fantastic show for you lined up today. Two, our two guests are Joshua Heston, who's producer and writer for the Dark Ozarks TV series and is founder and editor-in-chief of the State of the Ozarks online magazine. And as well as Lisa Martin, who is producer and writer for the Dark Ozarks TV series. And she's also an attorney, author, and director of Paranormal Science Lab. So this is going to be a great discussion uh, into uh, the paranormal, which I know you love. So sit back, relax, and let's get right to it. All right, today's show is ready to go. Ladies and gentlemen, we are welcoming Joshua Heston and Lisa Martin to the show. And uh, guys, thank you so much for coming on and making the time to be here. This is really exciting. Well, thank you for having us. Oh. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Brent. Oh, it's our pleasure. It really is. Um, you guys have been doing some really cool stuff, and I know that uh, you're you're doing the Dark Ozarks television program, and Lisa, you've got the Paranormal Science Lab. Um, and uh, Lisa, we've had the pleasure of having you on the Paranormal Portal before, um, but could you, uh, we're going to go to both of you. I, would, I just want you both to kind of set up, how did the paranormal become uh, a passion or a pursuit in your lives? Uh, well, for me, I, I grew up in a, in a haunted house uh, on a farm that uh, had been the site of Civil War battles, and, and all kinds of things happened. So from a very early age, I experienced things, and I was curious, and the interest never went away. And then eventually, I had an experience that made me think, okay, I, wa I want to know why this happens, and that's what got me started. 
Absolutely. And how about you, Josh? Well, it's it has been a lifelong passion for me. I think a lot of it, uh, Lisa and I both share Celtic heritage, and uh, that really, I think, has guided me in terms of a lot of my reading, a lot of my study. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 12 years ago, I became editor-in-chief of State of the Ozarks on my magazine for the Ozarks, and that began its own journey, uh, going down a lot of interesting rabbit trails, uh, that uh, in some cases we're going more into into the unknown, uh, into the supernatural, and uh, and the paranormal, and of course that's how Lisa and I met. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we actually met in a haunted cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did completely by happenstance. Yes. <laughs> Oh, that's really cool. Um, so I got to ask you guys, and, and, and this is a personal curiosity to me, but um, I've noticed that during my journey, uh, just doing the Paranormal Portal, that I think my ideas and understandings and, and uh, I don't know, thoughts on the paranormal have really adapted. But has it, has the, the deeper you go into this rabbit hole, has it continued to mold your idea of the paranormal? And how, how is that? In terms of molding, I would say yes, uh, especially especially in the areas of uh, something that we connected about here recently, which was uh, hoodoo and voodoo, uh, folk magic, mm-hmm. really diving into that and understanding there's there's especially a an aspect of of morality that that you really have to to put yourself in the place of the practitioner. And, and understand that things are not black and white. There aren't easy answers. And if the, of course, if the recipient of the, uh, the magic uh, were to write the story, they would probably be writing, as, writing that story as malevolent, when in reality it is oftentimes uh, defined more as justice or simply self-protection. Mm. That is that is really cool. If you do, and uh, I, I I really I find that incredibly interesting because of course a lot of that stuff just seems like a dark little footnote of history. But those practices were really uh, were really a way of life for a number of people, and that's kind of been just dusted under the rug. Well, and I think that goes along with a lot of of uh, very close to the roots folklore. Uh, a lot of our, our modern media and our pop culture has erased it or has caricatured it in in very interesting ways. And it's something that I feel like we have been very fortunate uh, with the Ozarks. There is, a, there is an anachronistic sense that has been, it's been slowly eroded in the, in the Ozarks Plateau, but things have eroded in terms, you know, local or regional cultures have eroded less rapidly in the Ozarks in the latter half of the 20th century than in elsewhere. Mm, that's really interesting. Very cool. And how about for you, Lisa? Um, I do think that as time goes on, um, my understanding and my views of things, they do change. They, I think, become more nuanced, the way Josh was uh, hinting there, um, particularly as how the unknown and supernatural interact with sort of ordinary reality in our everyday life. I do agree that uh, we, we're we fortunate, being where we're at, that um, a lot of, there are a lot of practitioners that are still practicing, and 
a lot of these concepts are not just uh, folklore at this point. There is more of a tangible uh, connection. And so as you, as you look at them and you, you treat them respectfully and on their own terms, it, change, it does change your perception and um, how you view things, I think. That is, that's really cool. And uh, I find it interesting that those traditions are still alive. And, and I, I actually find it quite, you know, quite encouraging, really, because I think, I think that it is a rich part of the history that is forgotten. And it, and it isn't mentioned because, you know, it's not the, the worldview that's uh, so predominant in our country. Um, but it is important because it was really a part of the formation of of these you know the, these lands, I think that it gets forgotten. Oh, definitely. Um, and so, what what gets relegated to you know a, a horror movie or something like that uh, has a lot more context and a lot more impact in different areas, and and it's almost generational memory uh, at times that you will start delving into a subject and you'll realize if you peel back the layers that these beliefs and practices affect a lot more than just say spell work or hoodoo, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I got to ask you guys, uh, of course, I know you both have been at this for a while, but have you noticed, uh, and Josh, we'll start with you. Have you noticed uh, a resurgence Mm -hmm. of these things in today's society? Because they had been kind of, kind of quiet and forgotten in the past, but, uh, or at least were kept in the shadows. But now there seems to be a real resurgence of people exploring these uh, different types of spirituality. Are you noticing that as well? Well, I think there's there's definitely an interest. Uh, uh, I there are times that that I, I question maybe not the validity of the interest, but the validity of the path. Mm. Uh, in turn, that you know we have one of the things that I, I feel very confident in that the internet is uh, a billion miles wide if it were an information ocean, but it's about two inches thick. Oh, deep. <laughs> and as a, as a result of that, I think our, our younger generation, uh, I'm kind of in between in terms of generations, but that it's very easy to go online and find something, uh, whether or not that something is, is authentic or whether it is accurate uh, or whether it is tied to the past or is simply uh, an amalgamation of, uh, of a lot of recent ideas, sometimes can be very difficult to parse out. So... I think it's a little bit up in the air in terms of where, uh, you know, our, our, our modern perception is headed. But I can say that there is definitely an increased interest in uh, certainly the, the paranormal or the supernatural. And fortunately, certainly a reduced stigma attached to that. Yeah. And what would you say, Lisa? Um, I would agree, and, and jumping back when we were talking about hoodoo, voodoo, etc., I, I think that's a good example. There, there definitely is a, a, a surge in interest, uh, those uh, exploring different paths, mm-hmm. not necessarily the paths that our ancestors practiced, whether it was in the Ozarks or the Appalachia or wherever, um, and a lot of it does come from more modern sources and media. But hopefully, as 
and it's particularly young people, as they explore those paths, hopefully they delve deeper and go beyond the two-inch deep internet <laughs> to find some of the more traditional um, pathways that I think have more depth to them. I, I, I think that's really cool. And I, and I agree with both of you. I just find it so interesting that it, it's funny that there seems to be a cycle in, in our societies and our, our development. And, and sometimes there's, there's merit in revisiting the, path, the past. And, and I find that it's really cool um, that you guys are doing what you're doing because in many respects, what you're recording and what you're, what you're putting on the table is stuff that would have been lost to time, I think. I mean, really, I find that there's so much value in these stories and so much uh, power in these histories. Um, and, you know, everybody knows the canned history that's, you know, available in your local uh, school or library or whatever, but it's this kind of history that I think is really, uh, you know, the heartbeat of, of, you know, of our nation. And maybe I'm conflating it, but, I mean, it really is to me anyway. I would I would agree with that, and it's one of the reasons I think <clears throat> that our you know our, our past, our, our ancestral stories, and our folklore uh, is so important. Something it reminds me of, and it's it's along these lines. And Lisa, I'm not sure if we've talked about this or not, but I've got a got a lead on uh, a possible story, but it's it's really just an ancestral memory, uh, an individual who. Uh, essentially witnessed uh, was a, an elderly couple and bear in mind this is in the, the deep Ozarks about 1900 mm-hmm. uh, an elderly couple uh, and it and apparently freaked him out because it, they, his, this elderly couple uh, under a new moon uh, in the springtime essentially practiced a fertility rite in the field that's I mean that's uh, and, and the thing is there were a lot of those things that, that happened and we we do kind of uh, just sweep it under the rug. Mm-hmm. And now we're coming around and you have this, I want to say, almost sanitized version of those practices that are being practiced. Uh, some people will probably be upset with me by saying that, but, um, and it's a lot of it has to do is that there, there's a break in the line. It used to be that practices were handed down through families, through generations. Mm-hmm. Um, a phrase that in my family was a thousand generations of blood. Um, that practices and gift were handed down and taught. Um, and we've kind of lost that. And so I think there's a yearning for that. And I, I think we will see that. And I think it is important to tell these stories for those who are exploring and not just, not even just these more esoteric um, ideas, Mm -hmm. but some of the things that have really happened, real life stories that are nearly lost that give so much context to history. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that that's very powerful and and it's very uh, important. Uh, of course, the old adage: if you don't learn history, we're bound to repeat it. Uh, that certainly comes into play. But also, I just think there's there's wisdoms that we're kind of lost or are we're losing as time marches forward and as we're in this two inch deep, uh, you know, billion mile wide internet world. You know, where our, our attention spans are about the you know the length of a mosquito. You know, it's. And so mm-hmm. I, I think that these things are, are paramount 
to going forward uh, in many ways. Um, uh, of course, uh, you know, being the, being the paranormal is often relegated to, you know, the, the, the corner of the room or, you know, the, uh, the downstairs part of the, of the house while everybody pays attention <laughs> to the main floor. But I think these, yeah. these parts are, are definitely part of our cultural identities. I agree. I agree completely on that. And something that Lisa and I have talked about on a number of, of uh, you know, times that we've gotten together, our stories. And again, you're talking about you know relegating portions. Uh, our our stories and our start storytelling. Storytelling is almost a niche at this point. Mm. And I think that humanity exists. Uh, that that we use storytelling as a way to make sense of a world that doesn't make sense. And we have oftentimes replaced now, in you know, beginning about the 1950s with the industrialization and the you know increase of mass mass media, we have replaced our family stories, our ancestral stories, of course, which in so many cases include uh, esoteric things. It includes paranormal. It includes supernatural. Uh, we've replaced those with pop culture. Pop culture has tried to replicate some of that. And that's that's where we do get some of the genres, um, some of the horror, some of the media that's out there. And now people are getting their sense of the past through that canned mass media. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and, and I think I think that media in general is is it's it's almost counterproductive in that it doesn't really build anything. It just and I'm speaking about our entertainment, our you know, our musics, our you know, in this today's societies, we have such a shallow perspective of of you know of what's going on. And I think again, I'm I may be getting redundant here, but I just think it's so valuable, and I'm so I'm so glad that there are people going out there and doing this stuff. Now, um, are you guys actually investigating places as well as you're you know you're covering them? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's one of the I I I love that aspect about it. Of course, Lisa is a veteran uh, in in terms of all this, so I hand it over to her on on a lot of that aspect. But uh, you know, my background is is journalism, mm-hmm. and and coming into uh, looking at ways to tell these stories that that remain objective, that are straightforward, uh, that it's it's you know done properly. Uh, to me, that is is an exciting aspect. But of course, the real veteran uh, for uh, paranormal investigation is Lisa. Well, I appreciate that, but Josh does a, a good job at that himself. So, <laughs> <laughs> so have you had some experiences as you guys are out there, and what would they be? Oh, I'm thinking of the old English Inn, Lisa, last summer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, um, historic Inn in Hollister, Missouri, um, and it. It looks like a Tudor English hunting lodge, literally. It's, it's had a number of things uh, happen there. There's full-body full apparitions that have led to employees walking out the door and not coming back um, because they were so vivid. Uh, children uh, playing with the guests, waking them up, uh, playing in the hallways. Um, there's a... Uh, pretty tragic story of a young man who died of natural causes. Uh, his family owned the, the building and he laid down to take a nap and didn't wake up. 
his bedroom is so active that they can't set it up as a guest room. Oh, wow. Wow. Jeez. And I think that's what you're referring to, if I'm correct, Josh. Yes, yes. Uh, you, want to tell what, you want to tell what happened? Oh, uh, there's... Of course, the, the location is beautiful. Uh, it's in my now-adopted hometown here in Hollister. Uh, the, the structure was built in... Half the structure was built in 1913. The rest of it was completed in 1927. And there, there's, there's several things. We, we do know of one suicide um, in, in, the, in the hotel uh, on the third floor. A man checked himself in, went to his room on the third floor, and killed himself with a shotgun. Ooh. And uh, the, the there is definitely some energy in that area. And then the uh, uh, attic is mm -hmm. is massive. Uh, people don't realize it because of the peak of the attic. It, you could stand upright in the attic, and the floor of the attic, which of course is the ceiling of the third floor, uh, is poured concrete. Oh. We know that it was uh, essentially a a very hidden speakeasy uh, during Prohibition. We know there was gambling there. We know that there was uh, violence there. Uh, there was, uh, and this is direct from city administration because I, with my uh, State of the Ozarks work, I work very closely with city administration here. Uh, but back in the 90s, there was a police stakeout. They were staking out, the, actually, the liquor store across the street. They had a police officer up there. And while I do not know the activity that went on, uh, he did not complete a stakeout. He bailed <laughs> uh, from the attic. There's, there's definitely, Lisa and I both, uh, you know, experienced a lot of just a heavy watchfulness, a very heavy energy and a, an awareness from the attic. And then, of course, there's the little girl. And if you, you know, uh, if you want to talk, Lisa, about just how, how we set up, of course, we were in the room uh, where the young man had passed away, and, uh -huh. and, uh, and, and we had a lot of stuff set up. Yeah, uh, we, we had cameras going, we had uh, various equipment. Um, one thing that was pretty interesting for, for investigators was had a millimeter sitting in the floor. At one point, um, doing control questions, do a lot of control questions, and threw out, what year is it? And the mail meter had been reading 0, 0.0, and it jumped to 2.0, back down to 0, 0.0, wow. back up to 1.9, back down to 00, 2019, which I have to admit, I've never had that happened before <laughs> that's, that's could be could be a fluke but it was rather uncanny uh definitely a, a heavy presence um we've at times we've had cameras move in that room even when the no one's there the room's locked as if someone took a hold of the camera and twisted it 90 degrees wow wow that's that's yeah. incredible and it, it, this is something, I don't know, Lisa, if you've experienced this, this is something I've not experienced, but of course the new owners, when the new owners took, <clears throat> when the new owners uh, took possession and, and started working in the hotel in 2018, uh, one of the things that happened was they did have what appeared to be blood that materialized on fresh linens while they were carrying them. Oh, wow. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. And, 
But and that was, and I know the owners. Uh, that was not something they were anticipating. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. And even just them telling the story later, you, 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 it was very clear that they were very shocked, very unnerved, and um, never could find an explanation of where anything red would have come from. Um, they've had water actually run down the walls in that room, but there's. No, there's no leaks, no water coming from anywhere else, and then it just seems to disappear. On that floor, uh, also in a couple of rooms, uh, the laundry room is down the end of the, that hall, and they have problems of laundry. They'll go in to take laundry out of the dryer, uh-huh. and all the laundry's in the floor. Oh, wow. Oh, no. Yeah, and the door's been locked, so no one's been in there. Um, so there, there is quite a bit of activity, um, uh, shadow movement, that kind of thing. Um, I, I've I've not really felt, at least in that room, anything overly negative. I, I think it is the young man that's uh-huh. there. Uh, the attic, the attic space is a little, it's a little creepier, I think, at times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Would you agree, Josh? Uh, I would agree. I, there's a there's a heavy watchfulness in the attic uh, that is very different than the energy on the third floor. Of course, as you as you ascend in the hotel, uh, there tends to be more activity, or at least more energy, and uh, and of course, you know the the interaction. Nobody knows where precisely where the little girl came from. Uh, there's been right. both sightings of the apparition. Uh, my first introduction to the hauntings at the hotel was uh, a story, uh, what I was told, it was when the hotel was under previous ownership and uh, a woman and her son had checked in and were staying at the hotel. And the next morning, uh, the mother got up and said, I had the strangest dream. I had uh, a dream of a little girl standing at the end of my bed. And her son looked at her and said, I had the same dream. Okay, everybody, we're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll get right back at it with Lisa and and Josh and get back to our discussion. So don't go away. It's time to pay the bills. everybody and we are back and at it here on the paranormal portal uh joining us today is uh lisa martin and josh heston the creative force and creators behind the dark ozarks tv series so let's get to it uh we do feel like we we've interacted with a little girl and uh, she does not seem to be malicious and she does seem to be aware Hmm. Mm mm-hmm that's incredible. Yeah, she does seem to be aware and aware of of the living and that she where she's at, but she seems to be very playful, um, not not one of those creepy uh, child ghost stories. Um, 
She just yeah. seems to be very playful, and they have a number of times that ghost, uh, guests will say, you know, who was it that let their their kids run up and down the hall all night, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, the owner put me in touch with one uh, guest who had relayed the story that um, she had been laying in bed and felt a tug on the covers mm-hmm. and rolled over and thought she saw a, a little girl standing next to the bed who then turned around and ran towards the bathroom and she gets up and there's no one there. That's so bizarre. And and I, I got to tell you, just <laughs> in hearing <laughs> thousands and thousands of stories uh, that involve little girls, uh, I tell you, I, you know, it's it's hard to wrap your head around a, a little child spirit anyway, but because I don't know, it just seems like it, it's, hard to believe that they would be left to linger, you know, that there's not something good and just that brings them home. But, um, you know, it's just so many of those stories start out with, oh, it's a cute little girl. we got to help her. And then they end up with screaming and exorcists, you know. <laughs> Very true. Very true. That's true. Oh. I don't think this is one of those. But <laughs> it is, of course, you know, the origin, the origin for the, for the girl is something that is an ongoing investigation. We don't have any yeah. records of a of a, a young girl passing away in the hotel at this point? Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some elements, uh, you know, very piecing people's mm-hmm. stories together that seems to connect it with the creek. Uh, there, mm-hmm. there is a creek that runs through town, uh, just a block from the hotel. And of course, Lisa and I started a sort of a querying uh, on during that investigation that that suggested that. The, the girl may have actually been a victim of uh, a disaster that took place in a nearby town. Oh, mm-hmm. Okay. Do you, want, you want to go into that just briefly, yeah. Josh? Uh, in, uh, actually, 100 years ago, in 1920, uh, a small mining town that was really only about two miles upstream from Hollister was destroyed uh, unexpectedly by a tornado. Mm-hmm. And most of the, there, there were not 11 people killed uh, in that tragedy. Uh, nine of those 11 were children. Mm-hmm. And the, the, all, all of the children who died uh, in the tornado were thrown into Turkey Creek and drowned. Oh, wow. That's so horrible. Oh. So, so, you know, there, there seems to be... Some some indication from our investigation, plus bits of some of the accounts told that she was in the in the creek, and so you have to wonder, perhaps maybe she is one of those children. Yeah, it, it, it was it was part of our line of questioning. It was something I was very curious about. You know, as we we began asking questions in that room and and started seeing responses, Lisa asked, "Did you?" come to Hollister by the train and or down the railroad track and we had no response. I said, did you come down the creek? There was a response. There was a fluctuation of energy. Uh, that was pretty significant. Uh, mm-hmm. And as, you know, as we continue to talk, uh, you know, things like, did you know about the hotel? Uh, did you like the hotel? Those mm-hmm. types of things would get a, a very significant response. Uh, things like, did you live in the hotel? Uh, would get no response. It it implied, of course, it's an ongoing investigation, but it implied that the, the individual we were questioning had been in the creek 
and then had liked the hotel, had, had been aware of the hotel in life, mm-hmm. uh, saw the hotel, and, and was attracted to it and stayed. Oh, okay. And, and it definitely it was the most dominant building in, in that area. So it, it would have been, you know, it would have been a landmark. That's really interesting. And now, do you guys do you guys find? I gotta ask you um, the whole waterway thing. I know there's a lot of theories about that paranormally, but I'm kind of curious if you've noticed the the correlation between waterways and paranormal activity. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> you can take point on this, of course. Uh, okay. That that, uh, that I'll just throw in, and then we'll we'll go from there. But something that people do not realize about the Ozarks Plateau is that it is a it is a very ancient limestone plateau that is literally honeycombed, not only with cave systems, but with waterways, uh, underground, mm-hmm. underground rivers. Okay. Wow. Yeah, there's, a, there's all kinds of underground rivers, underground lakes. You can just about throw a stone anywhere and have water underneath you. But we do find that there seems to be a strong correlation with locations that have strong activity and being over caverns, underground rivers, mm-hmm. or next to a running river. And I personally, I think it has a lot to do with water is a conductor of, of energy. Yeah, yeah. And, and as, as that uh, water moves, there's a lot, there, people don't think about it, there's a lot of energy involved in that. Uh, some of the underground rivers, um, people will describe, you know, if you're in one of the underground tunnels and you come across one of the rivers, they, you know, that it sounds like you just came across, you know, the Amazon River or something. Wow. That it's just this roaring, surging uh, gush of water. Right. And some of them are pretty large. Um, some of them are a lot larger than the rivers on top of the ground. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of energy to be released and, and moved. And so I think, I, think it, I think there is a correlation. Plus, limestone itself is crystalline, and crystal is also the most stable conductor of electricity uh-huh. uh, and energy. In fact, they, they use uh, crystals and communication satellites uh, instead of capacitors and so forth. Um, because they won't burn out. Okay, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that's incredible. Now, I I, I got to ask: Is there? Uh, you guys are pretty regionally specific to the the Ozark areas, but do you ever spiderweb outside from that, or do you pretty much stick around there? For for this project, yes. I mean, I've investigated in other areas as well, mm-hmm. um, all over the Midwest, but. Um, but the Ozarks is a is a huge area. It's really the size of a large state, and cover it actually covers uh, ground in what five five states. We've got you know, and and I think the, there is oftentimes a lot of misconception about where the Ozarks are. Uh, the plateau covers the su- the south half of uh, uh, of Missouri and about the northern third of Arkansas. And then a large swath of, of Oklahoma, a sliver of Illinois, and, uh, and, and about a county of Kansas. So it's, it's really a, a massive area, 
And for, for Dark Ozarks, something that we explore first and for, foremost is, is helping people understand those, those boundaries. Uh, and of course, it's a little fuzzy because the boundaries, there, there's one Ozarks boundary that is geological and there's another Ozarks boundary that is cultural. And then on top of that, we, we certainly have explored some areas that are what we would classify as boundary areas or, or liminal spaces of the Ozarks, uh, the, the haunted theater and the, the Coleman Theater in, in Miami, Oklahoma, is one of those, those boundary areas, uh, as well as, you know, spaces in, uh, you know, as you start reaching into the, the Mississippi River Delta. Okay, everybody, I think it's time we got to take a break, so don't go away, and we'll be right back with more of the Paranormal Portal podcast in just a couple minutes. All right, everybody, and we're back, and we're back at it here on the Paranormal Portal podcast. Buckle up, we're going in. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if this is possible or not, but I was wondering, is there, uh, of course, Appalachia, there's all kinds of tales of things like Bigfoot and such. And, and of course, over here in the Pacific Northwest and the Rockies, there's lots of tales of, of Bigfoot and everywhere in between, really. But is there a, 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 a lot of uh, reports of such things in the Ozarks? Just a few. Yes. <laughs> just a handful of different just, creatures. Just a handful. You know, that actually reminds me, uh, Lisa, when when just as the the lockdown was happening in the first couple of weeks and we were uh, were just getting started, one uh, very recent report was of the, the bipedal, uh, actually very comparatively short uh, uh, creature. Uh, That's right. Color, uh, bipedal uh, humanoid that was, you know, probably in the in the two to three foot tall range mm. with uh, very uncanny characteristics and uh, and short blondish hair. And uh, this was this was a report by a, by a mother in a in a wooded subdivision that's about three miles from my house. That showed up on one of our local groups. It had nothing to do with. Uh, Paranormal was a local community group that the mother was posting and saying, my son and I just saw this. We don't know what it was. Uh, does anybody have any ideas? <laughs> a friend of mine tagged me and said, Josh, check this out. So, you know, even just very recent and very unusual. But, of course, many different uh, cryptids, of course, in the folklore, but also just in the area of cryptozoology, including uh, the goat man, which is uh, in Lisa's neck of the woods near Joplin. Mm. Yeah, uh, the goat man is uh, a little different than the one in Kentucky. It's Native Americans describe him as a Sasquatch type creature, but with uh, horns that look like a mountain goat. And uh, so they refer to him as the goat man. And they describe him usually seven, eight feet tall shaggy, uh, dark brown hair. Um, there's an area on tribal land, on the Quapaw tribal land, that they uh, call Goatman Holler 
and it's a very steep V ravine. It's got a, a stream at the bottom of it, uh, high ridges, rocky ridges. Um, we were invited. I was invited down several years ago by some of the elders. The ravine, the ravine is steep enough that you probably could use repelling gear, and you have to hike in a couple miles to get there. Uh-huh. And as we're in the holler, something is pacing and tracking us on the on the ridge. Oof. Uh, and people were catching glimpses of movement through the trees, but it's. It's some well. It's late spring, early summer, and you couldn't see well enough that you could see movement. And there was definitely something there that was interested in what we were doing. But one of the one of the stories that one of the elders told, um, I think, was the most interesting, was that several years before the state had come in and was dredging the stream because it was flooding, and they had a team of four or five guys down there working and suddenly uh, by where the elders live uh, about a mile and a half away, they start hearing uh, what they think is gunshots. So they start to go investigate and they meet the uh, workers coming out and they're looking terrified. And they said, this thing came at them and they describe it, describe it like the goat man. And that the only thing they had with them was a twenty-two, and they shot at it, and they thought they got it in the shoulder, that it roared and screamed and went up the hill, and they left and said they wouldn't come back to finish without shotguns. Oh, jeez. Wow. <laughs> that is wild. And, and now you've described, you described this little creature, which I would say, you know, it sounds like it, it was hairy as well, the little, the little one. Uh, did it look monkey-like or did it look more human-like? Did you get a, an idea of that, Josh? Well, it, you know, in, in some ways, of course, it was described a little bit as a bear, but it, it sounded very human-like in the sense that it was standing on its hind legs. It was the size of a small child. It was mm-hmm. covered with whitish fur, uh, and it was following... You know, it was it was interacting in a sense in terms of it was following. Uh, they described the fact that that prior uh, to to seeing the the animal or the crypt, you know, the cryptid, mm-hmm. that it that there was a lot of movement in the underbrush, and you know, and, and it was pretty obvious that they were were a bit freaked out by the by the encounter. <laughs> yeah. So. You know, it's it's something I want to do some more research in. I, I have a feeling my my gut says that if I do some more research into Native American lore, that that we may find some leads. Uh, but it is it it was described as something very different than than you know sort of your stereotypical encounter. Sure. Well, yeah, it sounds like a like a puckwudgie or something like that. You know, um, almost yeah. You guys got your hands full there. <laughs> <laughs> The, the Ozarks are a very interesting place. It, I think it does, uh, people oftentimes do not realize, of course, the vastness of the Ozarks, but compared to other areas of the nation, we're pretty sparsely populated. <laughs> a, lot of things can, a lot of things can be out in the hills, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say at least by people, but it sounds, like, <laughs> sounds like you got plenty of other stuff. This is really amazing, and I, and I really... I really enjoy that you guys came on to talk with us, but uh, 
what what's next for you guys or what's uh going on or and and also please let everybody know how to stay in touch with you guys as well um this is just fascinating and and i hope you'll agree to come back because i i can tell we could have about 15 of these discussions and not run out <laughs> so. i love it I, I oh yeah just encourage everybody to follow us right now uh on dark ozarks on facebook and dark underscore ozarks on instagram and, uh, of course, Lisa and I do a lot of lives, uh, a lot of live video on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, just trying to figure out what our next steps are is, is part of the fun. Yeah, absolutely. Right. We are getting back to filming. We, we had to, we were just, we were filming and then we had to stop. We were starting to get back to filming and then, um, you know, watch for, watch for announcements because as as we get information about when it will be on air, we'll be uh, sharing that. So, oh, very cool. Well, once again, thank you both so much for this. I really appreciate it. It's been an absolute honor having you guys on the show, and thank you for taking the time. You're welcome. Oh, my pleasure. It's a blast. I'm ready to come back anytime. <laughs> Same here. Good. Well, thank you again. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please feel free to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Paranormal Portal Radio, as well as finding us on Twitter. We're on Twitter at Paranormal Portal, P-O-R-T-L. And uh, we'd love to have you stop by our YouTube page and subscribe and check out our shows there. we got hundreds of shows in our, uh, our, our vault of <laughs> journeys into the Paranormal Portal. So I hope you'll check it, uh, check it out, guys. We're over there at YouTube.com slash Paranormal Portal. So hope to see you guys soon. Uh, we'll be back, of course, for more podcasts in the coming days. So uh, stay tuned. But we love you all. Be good, be kind, be nice. Take care of each other. Help each other out. Find the magic in every day and remember to laugh as much as you can. Take care, everybody.